Heather Cohen with HMC Investigations and Tracy Ellis and Chastity Brandon are also with me today as we're going to discuss the murder of Drail Keeley. And I'm going to take just a moment real quick and go share the link so everybody knows that we are live. We are up, ready to go. Hey guys, you there? We're here. Hey. Yeah. Okay. All right. So everybody's here. Hi, everybody. Man, um, so from now on, if I say five o'clock, why don't we just shoot? Why don't we just tell everybody six o'clock? <laughs> I'm on Nashville time, and I don't know if y'all know this, but I was um, a musician for years, so uh, I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not the most punctual person. I'll admit that. That's okay. That's one of my big flaws too. So, uh, man. I just, I've never been good at time for some reason. I just, well, I, I bought a new computer and, um, and I had to re-download Skype and all the different apps that I had to have for us to go live today. So that's kind of why it, um, took so long. But okay, so uh, right now I am sending the link over to, um, we've got it on the Facebook page so everybody can join us there. And um, I'm also copying the link so that I can send it over to Drill's parents because I know they want to hear this. And they had just messaged me earlier and asked me to make sure to send them the link. So let me go ahead and do that before we before we do anything else. Can I take a moment to apologize to them for my typo? Oh, God, yes. I, of course. I'm really, I, I'm sorry I did that. I knew better. And um, <laughs> I just, my thumbs just didn't do the right thing. And I really apologize it, for that. It happens. Um, they weren't mad. They're they're really nice oh, people. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I just felt, it's just their child. And I felt so yeah. bad. Yeah. But. I just like to apologize for that. Makes me feel better to apologize. 
So my clients, um, Marcus and Chiquita, they're just really great people. They lost their son and, and they just wanted, you know, some answers because they didn't, you know, really feel like they were getting the answers that they deserve. And I agree. Um, the case that we're discussing today, uh, Drill Keeley, this was one of my first cases as a private investigator uh, investigating homicides. And it still haunts me to this day because I feel like I was never really able to give this family the peace that they deserve. So I just wanted to revisit it here today with the hopes that maybe somebody somewhere would come forward and help us to give these wonderful people whom I've come to love just a little bit of um, peace of mind. Um, with every case, there are always people who know the truth, and they may not be beating down our doors wanting to share that information, but the trick is to keep digging until we find those people. And once we find those people and we start going public with some of the information that we get from them, then more people come out of the woodwork, and before long, you can start corroborating stories, and you can sift through and figure out what's legitimate, what's not legitimate. It's a really long process, and... Um, and it becomes our lives. It consumes, it consumes us morning, noon, and night. And, um, and, you know, this is, like I said, this is just one of those cases that I don't, you know, I almost feel like I could have done more. And, um, so I wanted to just see what we could dig up and, and really it's not about, uh, it's not about so much about prosecuting or suing anybody as it is, like I said before, just giving this family some peace. Uh, Drill Keeley was born in Ripley, Tennessee on September 26, 1997. He's the only son of Marcus Keeley. He was studying business at MTSU at the time of his death. He's an honor roll student. He was a track star. He was a basketball player. And on February 5, 2017, he died in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And the... Uh, Officers, the detectives on the scene, they they pretty much just um, ruled it suicide right away. And uh, his there were just a lot of things about that case that you know they had they they did have some reasons to believe it could have been suicide, but there were also a lot of reasons to believe that it wasn't. And instead of treating it like a potential homicide, it was just automatically considered to be suicide and um, the hands weren't, his hands weren't bagged. Uh, the gun wasn't checked for blowback. Just none of those things to confirm that it was actually a suicide were done. Uh, Tracy, did you want to talk a little bit about what you remember about this case? Well, it was, this is one of the very few cases that we came on the scene, Heather came on the scene so quickly after this happened. Oh yeah. This, this is one of, this was a fresh case. Within a few which, days of his murder mm -hmm. or I say yes. murder. Sorry. I think it was murder. I guess I shouldn't right. say that, but, but I don't right. believe it it's, was suicide from, from the things that, that, um, we yeah. came up with. And I just, what hit me is, you know, we spent, I spent a lot of time, Heather gets her feet on the ground, boots on the ground, and it goes knocking on doors. <laughs> and she was actually, this is where we, um, Michael Bolden came into our life. Yep. Yep. I met and, Michael and, from Marcus Keeley, who was my client in this case. And, um, and Michael is a fugitive recovery officer and 
uh, or I guess bounty hunter is what he'd be known as. And um, Marcus introduced me to him so I could take him with me to knock on some of the doors because we knew it was, you know, this is a possible murder investigation and we're going to be knocking on some doors with some questionable characters. So, you know, he wanted me to be safe. So he hooked me up with this Michael Bolden who turned out to be one of my best friends. And uh, I've taken, you know, I consider him almost a partner and I've taken him with me on several cases. Just a great guy. And well, when you, and, and not only taken him with us, he's taken us with him. He has our back and, and <laughs> I don't want to get too far off um, <laughs> yeah. because that's the reason. But um, I remember just doing the research and looking at Facebook and um, for some reason I've been bawling my eyes out the past few days. So I'm, I'm not going to cry on this <laughs> podcast, but don't he, cry. <laughs> I'm not. Get it together, woman. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He was just like the son everybody wanted. And yeah, I mean, he was, he wasn't like walk, excuse me, I have a little allergy issue going on, but he wasn't, um, he wasn't walking around with a halo because he was a typical kid, Mm -hmm. but I just, it just broke my heart because I saw pictures of him sitting at the table with his grandmother and it's, and you know, his little face is just like, this kid could, you know, he just looked like he was just the all American kid. Yeah. And then, and then he made some choices that kind of a young, um, being a young man that just thought, okay, I know what I'm doing. Right. Um, and what I from what I hear, I want to take a little pause and side go on the sidebar here. One of the number one, um, not recipients, donators to um, hearts mm-hmm. for those that are, are, are heart recipients. Heart are, don- uh, donors, uh, organ right. donors. Mm-hmm. Right, are um, young male men Mm -hmm. because their heart can fit in a woman Mm -hmm. and they can fit in a male Mm -hmm. so their size of their heart will fit in so many people but Mm -hmm. they're the number one because they tend to die more than other people because they tend to make rash decisions so you're saying you're just saying that statistically that young men about drill's age seem to be um the ones they that, do the, the most fatalities is what you're getting at. Right. They kind of do things that aren't as safe. Right. As, as yeah. other people. Might I, yeah. I, I got it. He, I mean, he was a, he was a, you know, typical male um, for his age, I think. And, you know, I, I mean, I think most people, I mean, granted there are chosen few that managed to not get in any trouble whatsoever as, uh, you know, a teen or young adult but I think most you know especially I mean he was going to school at MTSU and we all know you know that out there in Murfreesboro there's a bit of a drug problem and you know I mean of course that's everywhere but but uh Murfreesboro's gotten quite a reputation for that lately and I know there's there there for a while I don't follow it anymore I'm sure it's still but it was just seemed like every time you turn around somebody's getting shot there you know but and it's Murfreesboro Tennessee Right. In Tennessee. Right. Correct. So anyway, um, 
to kind of move forward and just give our listeners a little bit more of an idea about what this case is about. Um, you know, Drail was found uh, in um, next to a church in Murfreesboro, and he was slumped against a metal shed, um, and he had a bullet wound that went into his, it was in his mouth. It went down through his tongue and the bullet came out the side of his neck. And the gun was actually found on the tree line, um, about 20 or so feet away from his body. Uh, the first people on the crime scene were, some kids, uh, three boys and three girls from, from what I recall. And they were all at 13. Yeah. They were all very young. And the way that the gun being so far away from the body was justified, uh, by law enforcement was that these kids had actually picked up this gun and played with it. And, I've never the really victim wasn't even dead. Right. Well, the victim wasn't dead yet. Um, he was, he was still hanging on by a thread, you know, at that point. But, you know, one of the reasons why that was always so hard for me to conceive is because, you know, if he had stuck a gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger, sorry, I won't apologize for, mm-hmm. to the family for, you know, the, <clears throat> um, the uh, harshness, the way the way that sounded, but if he had done that, then you know one would assume that there would have been some blood and whatnot on on the gun, and it didn't make sense that these kids would you know while this body is slumped over, while this while this man is slumped over and there's blood all over the gun that they would just pick it up and play with it. It just didn't make sense to me. And, um, you know, at the time also, because these kids were actually minors, um, I couldn't freely get their names and contact information to, to verify that this was true, but just, it's just ridiculous. It's just, I don't know. It's just ridiculous. I kids seeing a a person that's there and, and like we say, we apologize to the family, a man there, he's, he's going to be gasping. Uh, for his life, he's still yeah, breathing, so but it's not going to be a very calm in and out breathing. Well, I think they said I, that they thought he was asleep. Like that was what yeah. that was what. Um, because I guess I I don't know that they, you know, you really I don't think you could really see a lot of blood. the The gun was it was a thirty eight Behringer that was found. Um, and so just to kind of give a little bit of, um, backstory on that. Just one second. I'm sorry. I have to answer this text and, um, okay. Just a little bit of a backstory about the gun. Uh, so 
one of the first things that I received to help me with my investigation was the phone that belonged to um, Jarrell Keeley. And uh, the family went ahead and, you know, uh, gave it to me from, from the evidence room. Uh, they were done with it because it was pretty much a closed case. Uh, it was, you know, like I said before, they, you know, suicide, open shut, that's it. And when we started going through his phone, we're finding text messages back and forth between Drail and uh, a drug dealer in Murfreesboro that went by the street name Caveman. And what we learned was that there was an altercation between Caveman and Drail um, just within a couple days of his death. And that altercation was that, um, you okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. The altercation was that, um, uh, they were over at this drug house, this known drug house and, uh, caveman came over and Drail and him had some sort of altercation and Drail took caveman's pills and gun from him and then you had all these text messages between the two where they were supposed to meet up and Drell was to give him back the gun and the pills and they were even talking about re-upping, you know, and just, I don't, there was, it was all about, it was all about drugs. It was all about money. And, um, they were supposed to meet up and so naturally for us, our first mission became to find out who caveman was. So we're out there in Murfreesboro knocking on, um, different doors. And then of course we did also, uh, pay a couple visits to the drug house. And we finally, um, I actually finally just gave up because nobody wanted to tell me who he was. And it was just, um, you know, we, we were just knocking on doors and just brick wall after brick wall, not getting anywhere. So I finally six cents. Yeah, yep, well, that six cents came through on that one. So I finally just called the number and I said, Hey, is this caveman? He said, yeah. And, uh, I just started talking to him and I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say his name on this podcast today. Uh, just out of respect because he's also now deceased. But, you know, he was also a drug dealer. He was 17 years old. I'm sorry. Yeah, he was 17 years yeah, old. He was, he was 17 yeah. at the time. Right. And so I didn't realize, you know, while I'm having this conversation with him that he was 17. I didn't realize that until he told me. Um, 
a few right. minutes, a few minutes right. into the conversation. Uh, it, you know, but you know, prior to finding out that he was a minor, I had talked to him about his gun. He admitted to me that that was his gun. He admitted to me that it was purchased on the streets on the black black market. Uh, he'd gotten it from a friend, and um, and you know, he literally started crying when I told him that I knew that that was his gun and that he, you know, and, and I told him that day, you know, just a little side note, you know, I told him, I said, listen, I said, son, you better get out of this. I said, because if you live by the gun, you're going to die by the gun. And, um, and he did. He did, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come around. We'll come around yeah. to that. Cause I don't want to jump to that just yet. I want to stick. Can say, I throw in my idea on that uh, conversation you did have with him? Um, he was so respectful. He sounded like just, they like, all did. They yeah, all did. They all, all of and them. You know, it reminded me his conversation is when you listen to Zach Adams, Mm-hmm. One of the the pe- one of the pe- many people uh, Zach Adams from the Holly him. Bobo case, correct, and he was uh, found guilty. Mm-hmm. But he, you listen to him, and he has that same nice. They all calm, do. Yes it's ma'am. yes, ma'am, yeah. no, ma'am. You know, they're all very. You know, every, right. I mean, it sounds like brought up. I don't correctly. think I've spoken to a criminal yet that wasn't nice as pie. <laughs> I know it's, you notice that because people say, oh, it couldn't be them. No. It's like, oh yeah. No, they just sound like, they sound like usher boys. They just, you know, they, you, you picture them going to church every Sunday and kneeling at the heaven. altar. And then having a big Isn't old... that the scariest part? That is the yeah. scariest part. That is the scariest part. Yes, it is. Exactly. But, so... You know, in my conversation with him, you know, I said, I said, hey, you live by the gun, you die by the gun, you better get out, you know, and I think I even said, you better watch it because you'll be, you know, you'll be next in this game. And, um, you know, and he was just crying and, and, and I said, well, then he ends up telling me, you know, I'm, I'm just a minor. I'm not even, and I said, oh, you know, cause I know I can't use this, you know, I can't use this audio is that he's a minor. So I needed to get permission from his parents to speak with him. So I said, hey, I said, um, I'd like to meet with you and your mom. And um, and at first his mom said, well, yeah, I'll talk to you. You know, we'll meet with you. And then she called the sheriff's department and she had somebody down there that she knew. And they advised her not to speak to me because this was not a murder investigation and he was not a suspect and that the only thing that could happen from her talking to me is that he gets, you know, that I, I come up with something and implicate him. So it was in their best interest to not speak with me. And, um, so, you know, of course I contacted the lead detective in this case and I told him, you know, Hey, I, I, I found caveman. I know who caveman is. And, um, and it, he's admitted it was his gun. Um, and, um, he, uh, I'm sorry, I have somebody at the, at the door. Well, and in a second, can I throw something in here? Of course. Um, uh, well, I forgot what it was. 
but um, <laughs> just so everybody knows, this is a typical We're having technical difficulties, <laughs> not with our computers, more like with our brains. God. Uh, but listen. With- they have to do, oh, he said he needed. I thought he was older, too, in that conversation <laughs> because he said he, he needed to um, – Get money for his family. Yes, he was taking care he's of support, his family. supporting his family. Mm-hmm. So and he even said that he had in a kid and a child, and but he meant his parents. Right. See, in some of the text right. messages, right. he did. He was he was he was helping his mom pay the bills. But in some of the text messages that um, here, I'm going to open some of these up. That between Drail and Caveman, um, I got to get this open. Let's see here. I get to the file. I want to read some of these text messages, but in some of those messages, he was saying stuff like that to Drail. Like I've got a family to support. And um, so we thought he was much older. Yeah. We're expecting, I was expecting something way different. I was expecting a bearded caveman looking guy. Right. And um, he was just this little kid. Here we go. Okay. Let's see, caveman. Okay, I'm reading. (coughs) All right, hold on. Let me see here. Um, zoom in. Okay, um, I am reading text messages from caveman or between caveman duck and Drail on the Saturday before he died. Which let's see. I can't remember off the top of my head how many days that was before, but if you give me a second, I will find out. Let's see. So February. I'm pretty sure that was two days before, two days prior. Um, when he, he died on a Sunday. Which oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I think. Okay. So that was. Yeah, well, what am I thinking? Yes, it was Super Bowl Sunday. Duh. Okay. Yeah, that's where I was. <laughs> Sorry, going. I'm sure Chiquita and Marcus are sitting over there going, Heather, come on. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, come on. I mean, that it was, was super- the biggest thing. Right? right. It was Super Bowl Sunday. So this was the so day before. The mm-hmm. day before Drail died, you've got Saturday morning at 826, uh, Drail says, Hey, bro, y'all left the ATM. So that was where uh, I don't, I guess they were getting money. And then Saturday at 10 06, he says, I didn't want you to do nothing stupid, bro. I'll meet you and give you your stuff back. No hard feelings. You were gone, get killed with that little bitty gun. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so I, this is how the kids, uh-huh. you know, like this is how kids, t- you know, text these days. And I, it took me, I, sh- I should have went over this before I tried to read it live because I just looked real stupid. But all right, you were going to get killed with that little bitty gun. Okay, sorry. Uh, then you got played over 500 bars. Think, bro, no hard feelings. And then Caveman says, meet me somewhere public and you're going to give me back the sticks and, and the strap back. Like I slick, I got family to feed and you fucked me. And then Drill says, yeah, but I need to know if you can get me 500 or bars, I will meet you. So that's where they're talking about re-upping or whatever. But, you know, and I want to say before we go any further here, you know, 
that again, like we said before, this is this is MTSU, this is Murfreesboro, these are college kid, you know, college students. This isn't, you know, it's not like they're I don't I don't know. They're they're not they're not hardened criminals. They're not, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, they get shot and they die just the same as, as these other ones, but they weren't they're not bad. They're you know, I mean they're doing things, they're making bad decisions, but they don't deserve to die for him, you know. But Duckman did not. Caveman Duck. <laughs> Duckman. I mean, caveman. <laughs> I, oh, he, why do I, I it's okay. do that? It's okay. No, I was it Caveman Duck at one point? I think so. I caveman think Duck. That's yeah. That's why I said Caveman Duck. Like I won't. Okay. Yeah. So Duck always, man and caveman, yeah. So in this next one, in this next text, me- text message I'm looking at here, um, Drill asks him, are you going to shoot me? I w- and then he says, I wasn't going to pull the trigger, bro. And so there's that. And then the one after that. Uh, he says, um, major play, bro. I couldn't see you going and killing anyone. And then Caveman says, you have my 11 and a half and nah, no sketchy bullshit. That's why I said we meet in public. I need to get my money back up since this dude fucked me over. So I don't know when I can re-up for more weight. Just add me. Just me and you meet somewhere. Okay. Just you and me meet somewhere. And then Drill says, yeah, I can't beat it. I'm putting 1400 in your pocket. I'm on campus if you make a move. And then he says, I'm confused. But anyway, I guess the point is, I'm going to keep looking through these. Um, And I'd like to add. Oh, okay. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is big. I forgot about this one. This next one says, Jarrell says to Caveman, how are you confused? I don't want this gun or your 11 bars. I took this because you was on some stupid shit, bro. Black gloves ready to kill someone. You had that girl in the car. But I don't know if you'll try to shoot me or not. So I wanted to buy bars. I got money. I just want 250 bars. So he's, I mean, if this kid wanted to die, why is he so, like, it? I don't want to say scared, but he's clearly a little concerned that Caveman is going to shoot him. You know, right. he's saying, you know, exactly. are you going to shoot me? Are you, you know, and you had your black gloves. You look like you're ready to kill someone with that girl right. in the and, car. And the, and the gloves, that's what at one point I was going to make because the, these gloves were found at some point. And, um, were they, I don't remember that. I thought they were found in a car with something and, um, I'm not sure, but I thought they found the, those gloves. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember oh, that okay. at all. Well, I my mind um, maybe maybe that was something that the detective told us and i just don't remember it, it might have been in maybe one of the audios or something yeah and but i i would like to just add that it seems that caveman was a little more hardcore than we thought then we thought <laughs> well I, I never would have thought it i never would have thought it I mean, yeah, he's, he was he was more hardcore, and um, Drell was um, was less um, 
was less as hardcore. <laughs> Different backgrounds, I guess. Different. Well, I think I think the difference is, you know, Drill did come from a respectable family, um, and you know, and they they had some money, and he was taking care of his dad. He had just bought him a new car. Uh, what was a charger? I think he just bought him a charger, brand new charger. Oh, and I thought it was a truck. No, I it was a truck. No, it wasn't a truck. It was it was a it was a Dodge Charger. Okay. And um, you know, in and, every aspect, AC life. I mean, he was um, still, didn't he sign up for like the next semester? Wasn't that something? That yeah. Yeah. He was still, he was still going to college. He was, you know, he was doing really well. Um, and, you know, it just didn't make any sense at all. But, you know, so what I was saying, you know, Jarrell did come from a respectable family. Um, he, I don't think he ever really had to struggle. I mean, granted, you know, I think, you know, being from Ripley and, you know, some of the surrounding, I mean, you know, Drell, I guess I'm, you know, he, he wasn't no punk. He, he could hold his own in the streets, I think, um, from what I've gathered from, you know, the investigation, but, um, but I don't think he was, you know, he wasn't like a gangbanger, you know, um, whereas this other kid, which just for the record, you know, Drell is, african-american and and our caveman is caucasian um and caveman um his family from what we've gathered in our investigation you know his his mother um and father are split and his mom's remarried and um so he has a stepdad but um but caveman from what i've gathered uh, was helping you know, like we said, to pay the bills, he's supporting, helping to support his mom. And, you know, and we were told, you know, from people very close to that family that his mom, you know, knew he was dealing drugs, you know, and pretty much was, you know, cool with it. And it was like, as long as he was helping paying the bills and I don't, I don't think she really, you know, I, in fact, um, one of our witness even witnesses even said that she pretty much put him on the streets selling, so, but he was 17. yeah, yeah, yep. And she, you know, when I talked to her before they came back and said that they wouldn't talk to me, but in the conversation that I did have with her on the phone, she told me she knew he had that gun. She knew he had that gun. And so anyway, you know, then you got this next text message. It says here, it says, um, um, said, I got bands. And I refuse to let you be on the news for murder with your homeboys. They probably playing with you. They didn't lose them unless they sold them. Then they played you. So you got Drell over here telling him, hey, you're getting played. You know, you're getting you're getting played and, you know, you're home. So it's just there's a lot of dialect between caveman and Drell in the day before his death that just. It's, it's too, it puts too much question in my mind to just say, Hey, this is suicide. You know, I mean, um, now just for the record and for the sake of being transparent, um, the reason that they, you know, believed it was suicide is because, um, Drill had been picked up with his buddy, um, for shoplifting, um, 
a couple days before or a day or two before he, um, before his death. And he was so distraught over that. And he felt like, you know, he'd really let his dad down. His dad's, um, owns a bond company and it's a real, you know, respectable man. And, um, and he, you know, he felt like he had let his dad down and he had made some comments, um, about him being, you know, uh, for lack of better words, you know, a, a loser that had failed his father. And so, you know, by making those comments to a few different people and saying, you know, I should just maybe end it or something of that nature. Um, you know, it, it did give them reason to think that it was suicide, but then you've got all this over here that says, no, it wasn't suicide. And you've got the fact that the bullet is, goes down, which I'm not an expert, but I would think if, you know, again, sorry for being graphic, but but you put the gun in your mouth and it would be pointed up and it would go up through the roof of your mouth, not down through your tongue and outside of your neck. That to me, I feel like if I was, you know, trying to um, visualize in my mind how that went down, I would see him down on his knees or, you know, somebody shooting down at him. And, yeah. and that's why, you know, but I mean, who tries to kill themselves and points the gun down at through their throat. That doesn't make any sense. Um, I'll pause and give you guys a minute to give some feedback. I'm just going and going and going. That's fine. Um, now just so no one thinks that this Dodge charger was a reason for his death. Um, did you want to elaborate on the Dodge charger? I don't really know what you mean. I, I mean, if I remember correctly, because um, of the shoplifting, his father. Oh, right. Was going to take, yeah. was going to um, take. Or the, did. I don't know if he had at that I, point. I think he was, I think he was going, he hadn't, he hadn't gotten there yet, but I think he was going to, to take it from him. Um, as, as, a, as a punishment, as like discipline, right. As punishment for, for the shoplifting. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, even that, okay. So the shoplifting thing even took us back to the drug house because the woman bless her heart. And I mean that in the most Southern way possible. Um, she is this older woman, a Caucasian woman in her, um, uh, late forties, I think mid to late forties, um, who, from what I've been told has, um, or had, I haven't kept up with her since I was working this case, but, um, had a, a bit of a drug problem herself and was allowing these, um, college kids and and younger kids, all these minors, uh, to use her house pretty much as like a hub to deal drugs out of. And in addition Wasn't there to a bunch of basketball hoops and stuff out that they would play basketball and just all be yes. there. Oh, a good time. I just got a message from, um, Gerald's dad. Sorry. It was a Dodge challenger. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was a Dodge but challenger. Yes, right, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, 
Um, you actually have video of that. Yeah. There's see. video. Yes, yes you do. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Um, and and then his mom messaged and said they weren't going to take it. It was actually towed. So, oh, yeah. Oh, I never, ever, ever knew that. I never well, knew that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But anyway, um, so. Even with that. That's I mean, things like that. I, I apologize, you know, if we're not. But, I mean, it has been a little bit. And we, we've slept and we've worked a lot of other cases. So, sometimes these details can be. But thank you, um, Chiquita and Marcus, for for you know, making sure that we have our facts straight and don't hesitate to text me if I say anything else that's incorrect. I will not be offended. But um, I wanted to, you know, mention with with uh, this drug house that not only were they dealing drugs out of this house, but she had also given um, some sort of a device that removes uh, security devices, you know, like when you're in a store and they've got like the, the, the security, I don't know what they're called, but, um, on like clothes and stuff. Bag. Yeah. 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 So she had this device. Huh? It sets a sensor off when you walk out the door, the, it scans right. the sensor and makes the alarm, you know, go off. Right. Exactly. And so, she had one of these and she had given it to Drail and his friend, the the one that got arrested with him. And so she was not only, you know, I don't know what exactly to say her role was in all this. I feel like she was kind of like the ringleader in this, this drug dealing slash theft ring. Um, but it was just, it just floored me because her son was a part of all of it and she, and she was good with that. And he was like, what, 16, I think. 17. I think it's, I think, he raised, me, but I think that it like started. She raised, yeah, she raised him with the guilt of having, I don't know. This is opinion and conjecture on my part. You're talking but about, you're talking about caveman. I'm, t I'm not, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, I almost said her name. Oh, okay. I'm almost talking, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the drug, the girl, the woman at the drug house's son that was also oh, involved. The one that had the basketball court. Yes. The one, the one in the video oh, yeah. that y'all saw that, that I was standing there talking to and he had the basketball. That yeah. one. Okay. That's him. So and she comes out going crazy when Heather goes. When oh, she didn't come out. Nah, she ain't that stupid. No, no, she was inside Michael yelling. Was there. Yeah, well, I wasn't talking about Michael. No, <laughs> no, but um, no, she was she was inside screaming and yelling at me because she was saying that oh, she was okay. gonna she was gonna shoot us if we didn't get off her property. Yeah, that yeah. And I'm so we we got her. off her property and stood in the street, and she kept yelling at us. I said, "We ain't on your property. <laughs> We're yeah, in the street yeah, now. Three. What you gonna do?" No. <laughs> that was one of your first first ones, and that was when you were more like, um, "I'm in your face." <laughs> what do you mean more? <laughs> I'm still like that. <laughs> well, you tried to hold back a little bit more, but on that one, I thought you there was going to be a scrap. Mm, yeah. <laughs> No, no, she, she'd have had, I'm not, look, I left, I left St. Joe back in Missouri. 
that, that St. Joe. Yeah, I'm from St. Joe, Missouri, and that's how that's how it was growing up. You know, you just we all it's it's kind of like Dyersburg, right? It's kind of like mm-hmm. any other, all these other yeah. little towns. But anyway, point yeah. being, I'm gonna get off on all that. <laughs> start start ranting about some some bullshit from back in the day. <laughs> but uh, but anyway. So, um, this is, I mean, this isn't a laughing matter. I'm not trying to, you know, but, but, uh, you know, she, she had given this device to these kids and they were going out and they were stealing for, and, you know, I just really feel like this woman just messed up Drill's life. I feel like, you know, I feel like she probably had a big part in all of it. And, um, as far as like, you know, his final moments, you know, I I believe that, that Drell was lured. I think he thought he was meeting Caveman by himself, but I think he absolutely was not meeting Caveman by himself. And I think they shot him and they killed him. And regardless of the comments that he had made um, about letting his dad down, and, you know, and that was probably just, you know, I'm sure he was feeling really bad about letting his dad down, but I don't think he was, you know, really intended to, kill himself over it and maybe that was just more thing he you know wanted it maybe to get back to his dad and his dad to know that he you know felt that way and felt real bad but I don't think he ever actually intended to kill himself I'd like to can I enter of course my psychology (laughs) Um, yeah for the record Tracy has a has a, a degree in psychology I feel that he only felt the guilt when he got caught because he knew when he walked in there that if he got caught, which was a big, you know, it was a big, if he knew, he mm-hmm. knew he could get caught. Well, sure. It's all fun and games till you get caught. Right. You know, nobody and, thinks they're um, going to get caught. And so I feel like he wasn't as disappointed in himself as he was disappointed that he got caught. So right. therefore, he did not feel like the depression to off himself because he got caught, and he knew there was a chance to disappoint. He he knew darn good and well his dad would be disappointed when he walked into that store if he got caught. Well, sure, so, but he didn't think he's he didn't think that far ahead, and you know, well, I think he 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 seems to be so smart because he. He was almost like he was uh, taking care of the situation with Duckman. Like, man, you gotta con- you gotta do it this way. You gotta do it that way. His business mind, his intelligence, shone through. So I do believe that he knew there was a chance he could be caught and disappoint his dad. So therefore, I don't think he was going to make off himself for disappointing his dad. I just don't see it. Right. Okay, well, I'm done. you know, he was, he was, he was making some bad choices. He knew he was making some bad choices. And, and I think this is one of those situations where, you know, it's not like he'd been doing it for a long time and he eventually got caught. Like, you know, he's like me, like I never growing up, I could never do anything and not got, not get caught. I had friends that, you know, would do stuff and, you know, just never got caught. But the minute I would, you know, wear down and be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do that too. I got caught every time. And I think that's kind of what happened here with Drell because I don't think he was doing this stuff. Right, I think he had just 
kind of started to dabble with this life and with these people. And, um, and, you know, it caught up to him fast. He's not, he wasn't lucky enough to be one of those to, you know, have some time to, you know, for, for clarity, um, and to, you know, to get into it and be like, you know what, I, I don't, this isn't really what I want after all, you know, he got in, dabbled with it and, and he lost his life over it. But, um, so kind of fast forward to, uh, February 26, 2017. Um, when I, when I found out that, um, Actually, scratch that. We're not fast forwarding to, to February 2016. I have something else I have to add first. So when I found out that Caveman was a minor, um, you know, I decided, okay, well, you know, there's nothing I can do right now. Um, I had turned over this information to the detective and I actually went with him. Um, I waited in the car, but I went with him while he went in and talked to Caveman and his mother and his stepdad. And he got his alibi. And he comes outside and I said, you know, well, did he have an alibi? He said, yeah. And I said, well, what's his alibi? He said, well, he was down, down the street at the neighbors, a uh, couple houses down, watching the Super Bowl. With, oh, yeah, the alibi. <laughs> right. He was watching the Super Bowl with, uh, with his friend down the street. And the mother was not home. Um, when I talked to her, she said that, uh, caveman had called and said is, we'll just say Johnny. We'll just call him Johnny. Uh, is Johnny home? And she said, yeah, he's at home. He's in there asleep. And he said, is it okay if I go in and wake him up? And she said, yeah, go ahead. Well, when they told me this, I thought, well, that doesn't clear caveman that just kind of implicates Johnny because this was uh right before right before my thought was killed exactly 100 percent. so I'm thinking 100%. you know he went in there woke up Johnny said hey you need to roll with me and they rolled out to meet caveman and they probably I would say the drug dealer woman I would say probably uh her son and maybe some of those other guys that were hanging out over at that house. I think they all went to meet Drail. And Drail thought it was just going to be caveman, but it wasn't. This is my theory. But so she says, you know, the the detective says that the alibi is that he was there watching the Super Bowl. He went in there and he stayed there all day long and did not leave. The mother can't vouch for this because she wasn't there. But um, I told the detective, I said, hey, there's so many holes in this alibi. You could string spaghetti. You know, it's not solid. But he took it as solid. And so there really wasn't anything I could do. You know, I I, I did what I do. And um, I tried to make demands. And um, I got to tell you, law enforcement loves it when you tell them how to do their job. Um, I, I, I pretty much always get the same response and it's never good. But, you know, I said, you need to get the pings. And it, and it was soon enough. I mean, this was soon enough 
Uh, this wasn't a cold case. This wasn't, you know, this is a, this is soon enough after it happened that, that that information was still there. They could have done that. I said, you need to get the pings and find out where Caveman was. And, uh, of course, they didn't do it. And he says, this alibi is solid. I said, no. So, so I told Marcus and Chiquita and, you know, they're, they're just, they're just heartbroken and they're just, you know, all they, they just want some answers. And I told him, I said, well, I don't know what else to do right now. Um, because you know, I can't make law enforcement do anything and without a civil case or something for subpoena power, we can't get those records. So we kind of took a step back and I said, I'm going to wait for caveman to turn 18 years old and I'm going to go after his ass and I'm going to you know, then I can start questioning him without, you know, mommy and daddy's protection. So I can waited. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought, I like, I, I don't remember exactly, but I thought the, um, the mother, the friend where he, the alibi Super Bowl, mm -hmm. I thought she said she was there all day. She said no. she was at work. Yeah. Okay. She was, she was not there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. No. But she alibied him. I mean, she did, but, you know, yeah. But, but I mean, it was, you know, it was like, I don't even know. I don't even know That's really if law enforcement ever actually even tried to verify it. Um, and if they did, you know, how, how <laughs> hard did they try to verify it? It was like, oh, he was there. Okay. Done. You know? Okay. But so. That's what it looks like. Yeah. No, they didn't. They really didn't. They really didn't try too hard to, to nail this kid. Um, and I, and I remember, I remember the detective actually telling me, you know, that the streets were going to take care of this kid, that if, that he was, you know, doing some bad things and that, um, that it would catch up to him, you know, but, um, so I decided, didn't well, you, I'm sorry, no, didn't no. you, um, um, d not demand, I don't mean to say demand, no. but didn't you request, um, that his hands be tested finally, but it was a little too late. It, well, yeah, they, or, or something be tested that they had already, there was something you had tested and, um, well after the fact. But that they had, it couldn't have been. No, it was, it was that we, we were waiting on the ballistics from the gun and gotcha. they hadn't, they didn't tell us what they were testing and it ended up taking, I want to say a year and a half before they finally came back. Um, Which is typical. Or it's I guess maybe it wasn't a year and a half. Yeah. It was about a year. I think they came back with the ballistics and, you know, and we had just been waiting and waiting and waiting for those ballistics. And when we finally got them, they said, you know, the only thing they tested was whether the bullet that killed Drell came from that 38. That's the only thing that, well, we already knew that. That's, we wanted fingerprint testing. Yeah, we that. already knew that. Yes. I like that. that we didn't need you to test to tell us that we already knew that that wasn't the question. The question was, was there blowback in the chamber? Or, um, and 
and fingerprints on the bullet. Fingerprints, anything, you know, all that, that stuff, that wasn't, that wasn't tested. And so imagine the despair and the disappointment, you know, this family been waiting a year thinking that they were going to get some answers when those ballistics came back. And then those ballistics came back and they didn't even test anything. I mean, they could have told us they weren't testing anything instead of, you know, making us sit, you know, we're sitting on the edge of our seat for a year thinking, you know, we're going to find out at least if there was blowback in the chamber. And we never even got the answer to that question. So it was a, it was a punch in the gut, even for me. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, you were, it was, and they won't, they won't retest it. I wanted to jump through that phone and strangle somebody. I was was on that, I remember I was on that call and they would not retest it. That was it. Mm -mm. But so, you know, I, I, I said, well, I'll just wait for this kid to turn 18 and then I'll go after him and I'll, and I'll question him. And so now to February 26, 2017, um, I believe it was the next day I got a call. Let's see. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at this date. I'm I'm looking at the report and that date, (laughs) that was the date that I interviewed love, uh, um, rewind delete (laughs) that was (laughs) that was the day that I interviewed caveman um so my bad okay um and that was the day that he admitted that that was his gun um and I talked to his mom okay sorry so I'm trying to get past all that I need to get to the next part where I was getting ready to talk about what happens to caveman so um Hey, Chiquita and Marcus, y'all are listening. If you want to send me a message, if you think of anything that you specifically want me to address. Um, and in the meantime, I'll go ahead and skip over to what, what happens to caveman. Um, so a few months later, I get a call from the detective and he says, um, caveman's dead. And it was, I mean, it was like. Yeah. Right after his 18th birthday. I can't remember the exact dates, but it was right after his 18th birthday. Like, yeah, he was 18. Yeah. He he had just turned 18. Because I had, I had actually put on my calendar that I was going to start doing surveillance and following him around and trying to ask him questions. I had that scheduled for the next week. And I want to say it was Mm -hmm. like a week after his 18th birthday. So, I mean, it was ridiculous how, how quick, but. I get this call from the detective says caveman's dead. I said, what? He says, yeah, he, um, he, uh, got shot and he got killed last night or yesterday rather, um, in a deal gone bad. And wasn't, wasn't it a shootout? It was a shootout. And caveman was the one who actually pulled pulled the gun and shot first. Um, but the other guy was uh, a better shot and got him in the stomach and he was killed. So mm-hmm. that next day I went out to the apartment complex where he was shot and killed. And with I, your little white dog? Yeah, with my dog, with my dog. 
and um and oh yes yes okay Chiquita just messaged me I'll, I will I will talk about that in a second but um yeah I went out there with my dog and I knocked on every door you know and um and I ended up finding a couple people that witnessed it and those people ended up identifying the people that shot and killed caveman so you know I we we got we got that wrapped up pretty quick but in the meantime you know the the Keeley family's still over there with no answers and didn't the detective though kind of say well there you go there's your answer after caveman got shot and killed yeah kind of he kind of insinuated yep there you go there's your answer yet yeah the coroner yeah yeah it it was kind of this you know well there yeah there you go sort of mentality um but so then um i want to pull up this interview real quick and look at it um in at the end of may so i mean gosh this is this all happened so fast um then we end up um getting a call from the woman from the Mm -hmm. woman who gave the alibi. Right. And she is just in tears. The Super Bowl alibi. Yes. The one by the caveman was at. Right. And she says, Heather, I think he did it. And she said, and then she starts telling me that, you know, she felt like, um, there were some exchanges and that she had even asked him and that, you know, he kind of said, well, you know, he tried to rob me and blah, 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 blah. And she says, but you know, did you? And, and he kind of danced around and he never, he never, he never would say that he did it, but he never would say that he didn't. And she said, you know, that she had overheard some things and she felt like he had, uh, the caveman had messaged Drail, you know, the address of where to meet him. And, and, uh, so, you know, after the fact, after the fact, you've got, you know, after caveman's dead, you've got his alibi recanting, um, and saying, you know, well, I think he did do it. And, um, go ahead. Is there any way not like a civil suit, but is there any type of civil suit that uh, that Drew's yeah, parents that the Keelys could can put sure. forward to get the suicide or at least change it, maybe not to homicide, but at least change it to undetermined. I don't I don't think that, you know, anything that they do civilly is gonna have any sort of authority over the criminal arena you know they're not they're not going to be able to get them to change it to undetermined I I and I mean but yes yes I mean they could file civil suits and they could try to fight and they could you know try to sue the um the police department for you know negligence and um and malpractice or whatever I mean you know I'm, I'm not an attorney but I mean I'm I'm pretty sure there's something they could sue him for, but but there's they're not no a, but they're not about that. I mean, 
they're not, that's not what they want. You know, I mean, if they want a civil suit, then they get, you know, a, a chunk of money and that's not going to bring their son back. And right. they know that. Right. And, and, and they don't, you know, they're not, they're not about that. And I've talked to, right. I tried, I tried to talk him into filing a civil suit and, you know, and we talked about it and, um, and they just never really, you know, and, and I think they even maybe considered it a little bit at some point, but, um, but there's no way to get that changed. That's I, what I'm I looking mean, for. Petitioning the court. I don't think I mean, so. What? I've never heard of anything like that. I mean, if there is, and I, I wouldn't know about it, but, um, okay. but I mean, they just, so I guess, you know, the point in this podcast today, um, is, you know, caveman was not alone and really what is about more than anything is that this family needs closure. There is somebody, like I said, you know, opening this podcast today, you know, there are people that know the truth and, Oh yes. And yes, yes. yes. And so I guess what we are asking today in this podcast is if you have information in the death of Drill Keeley, please come forward. You know, please, please let us know. And um, we would love to just be able to give this family some peace. That's really what this is about. Can they remain anonymous? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I won't, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think that's, that's really all that important. Um, you know, who, who tells us what happened, but you know, this, they just, they need to know. So, um, I'm closed. right. Right. Do you guys have anything to add? I don't. Okay. It's just one of those. It's just always bugged me that we could not get the, um, I'd get that changed, get that suicide off of that, um, that corner, right. you know, mm-hmm. right. that certificate. I just, it's just not there. It's just not 100% suicide and they, they can't go with one side. They have to look at the right. whole thing. Well, and right. I, there's, I just want to get that changed. You know, there's something else. It, there's another I mean, aspect of this. Wouldn't be. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Heather. No, it's okay. Uh, there's another aspect of this, you know, that really, really got me going. I was so mad, um, you know, after Caveman was killed because Caveman's death got a lot of media attention. And, you know. Oh, yeah. His that mom, mad too. they uh-huh. had, they had, um, go fund me accounts, raising money for, you know, his funeral and all this. And, you know, within like a day of his death, they had go fund me accounts and, and they had news reports and they were on the news and his mom was on the news talking about how he was such a great kid and he'd give the shirt off his back and, you know, this and that. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, I don't want, I'm not trying to besmirch his name, you know, God rest his soul. He didn't deserve to die any more than Drell did, but, but part, I mean, another element of the injustice here is the fact that, you know, I just felt like there was definitely a racial 
element I to do this. Too. Because I do too. Since Drill I was leaning toward that as well. Since Drill was African American and Caveman was Caucasian, you know, it's like he got all this media attention and it was like, you know, and they painted this picture like he was just, you know, just the best kid ever. But then Drill was got it, shot out of nowhere. Right. And this was just yeah. and yeah. Drill's Drill's uh death didn't didn't really get any sort of anything. And um exactly. and that just that was ugh. that was that made me mad too. Mm-hmm. So I mean I guess disgusted, actually. I was disgusted over that. Yes, yes. Very you know, honestly like I seriously considered, you know, contacting the media and you know, saying, Hey, this kid that just got all this media attention, this kid that, that, you know, he, this is, he, he was, should have been a suspect in this murder. And he was a suspect in my investigation and, you know, just kind of read a little bit, you know, after the fact, after he's gone, you know, that really wouldn't have done any good. And, and honestly, you know, when I thought about as mad as I was, and even though I thought, you know, that was the thing to do, you know, when I thought about it more, it's like, okay, it's really not the thing to do, but it just, it really was upsetting. And, you know, to, to yeah, just, but, mm-hmm. they had that interview with his mom at the kitchen table. And of course she's beside herself. Her son's dead. Of course. Of course. But oh my God. Yeah. He, so why? I mean, but on. you know, um, when I was doing surveillance on the house, when I was sitting out front waiting, you know, I, I was waiting for the detective to get there to take the statement when he went to get the alibi. And, and I had told him I was going to do surveillance and make sure that they didn't leave before he got there. And I was sitting there and I was, I was filming and she was outside. She kept coming outside to smoke and, um, and she was flipping me off and blowing me kisses and all this. Cause yeah, I wasn't really trying to hide and she knew I was there, but she wouldn't talk to me. So I, like I said, I was just waiting for the, for the detective to get there. But, you know, later when the detective went to get the alibi, he told me, he said, you know, she said, if you step foot on her property, she's going to shoot you. And, <laughs> and then and she I went and put the trespassing this. sign up. <laughs> so. I remember the two of us being on the phone and you're saying, Oh, here comes a car. And, and she called the cops on you. Remember? No. There was there was a a deputy, I believe it was a deputy. It was a cruiser, was sent by. I remember talking. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't remember that. Yeah, I get the cops called on me all the time. (laughs) I'm like, I'm always having. She knew who you. She knew who you were and what you were there. Yeah, it's not like somebody didn't know why this person I wasn't hiding it's not like I was under you know like I was trying to be covert I was pretty much sitting right in front of her house Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) um whatever is what it is but anyway so yeah I don't know any I just back to what we were saying I just if anybody has any information you can send us an email hmcinvestigations at gmail.com um if you're not comfortable doing that, um, and is, let's see, what is, what is another way? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, I guess you could just create a messenger on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. On Facebook. yeah we've got the Facebook page, HMC investigations. You could message us there. Um, but I'm just trying to think of how they could, if they wanted to be anonymous, um, how they could Grab do that. A burner number. Do it through a burner. 
Yeah. Yeah. Make you can do email. it through. Sure. Or mm-hmm. you could just like, like that email I just got the other day, you know, where they created yeah. a fake account and said, this isn't my real name. And, but I want to tell you this and you could do something like that. But yeah, I mean, anything that you've got, please just let us know because I would really, really, really just love to give this family some peace. Um, I wanted to add that sometimes people have information without knowing they have information. Mm-hmm. So don't ever, you know, like say, oh, it's not big enough. If you know it's anything no or even think you know right. anything. I mean, yeah. even if it's just right. a rumor, like we can follow up to see if it's legit. Like don't don't be afraid to share a rumor because, you know, I mean, we're not just going to take it and run with it. We're going to try to follow it up. But yeah. and rumors, rumors come from somewhere and sometimes more than more than not a rumor is the truth or i I don't know about i don't know about is the truth truth. but has Um, maybe has some truth somewhere to it to it yes yeah or uh, and sometimes not more times than not i did say sometimes rumors rumor and not the truth but sometimes In other words, we're we're working on a case now where so many rumors have turned out to be the biggest thing that has ever, and people who thought they did not know anything had given us more than they, it's almost broken the case wide open. So that's, I mean, that's what we need here. We just need people to come forward, but... That is it for today, guys, and we really appreciate you joining us. So if you have any information on this case, you can always call us at 615-433-5300 and put in your tip that way, or you can send an email to hmcinvestigations at gmail.com. Until next time, we love you and keep fighting for justice. so that their souls may have peace.